third episode of season four of crystal myth podcast Woohoo! Everyone i'd rather clap for that than clap for like you know captain tom oh god i'm gonna oh get <laughs> we didn't want to clap for him because it's like what like it's like clapping for the nhs i was like how about you give them money instead yeah. of clapping because that's should... not helping what a near 100-year-old man shouldn't be wandering up and down his garden to raise millions for the NHS in the fucking first place. No, like, I have no problem Look, clapping we, for him because he's obviously a lovely old man, but that wasn't really it. It was the leader of fucking scum party yeah, being like, clap now, because they want to draw attention away from the fact that they effectively, like, murdered. killed an old man by making him walk about. his family sort of killed him because they brought him to Barbados for Christmas and they shouldn't have obviously done that but I mean come on he was like 100 so I mean you can't say he didn't live a long time I mean my gran never made it to 100 unfortunately she only made it to like 94 which is still quite good but nobody's clapping for her okay well speaking of old people um how do I how do I like this into Jurassic Park (laughs) Speaking of old people, when they die, can we bring them back from the dead? Bring them back from the dead. Um, I don't know. Imagine what that'd be like. I don't really want to keep them old, though. I'd rather make them young again. I mean, surely if we brought them back from the dead, though, we wouldn't really. We'd just be cloning them anyway, so we'd be bringing their... But then if I making them a twin. Would she be my gran, or would she just be a person who looks like my gran, but has a completely different personality? No, she'd be your grand's twin sister. So, like, if you have IVF and you create mm-hmm. identical fetuses and then you don't implant one until later, technically you're having, like, a twin, but after your initial child's been born. So if we cloned your gran, that would mean that your adoptive child would be your grand's twin sister. Okay. What if they implanted my grand's embryo, like, her genes or whatever, in the form of an embryo into my womb, and then I gave birth to my own cloned gran <laughs> given birth to your own what great aunt yeah you would be given birth to your own great aunt who would be your grand's twin right okay but it would in no scenario would it actually be her it no. would just be copy no. of her physical body that's it that'd be really weird it would never be her because all it would grand's face but it's not her yeah, because she would have the same memories, she would have the same experiences. She'd literally be like, yeah, we copy. Would you clone yourself if you could, so that you could dance with yourself or make love with yourself? <laughs> Both of your examples were weird as fuck there. <laughs> Why were we either of those your choices? 
Yeah. There's something you want to tell us, Leslie, I'm that you're like actually trying to see yourself or something. If I can love myself, man, if I could lick my own face, I would. Oh my god. But again, if you cloned yourself, you would actually just be making your own baby twin sister. So if you then fuck them, you'd be incestuous pedophile. So why would you want that? Okay, I'll take that back. I should do that in an episode of like uh, Futurama or something like that. Would he like himself and then he becomes his own like grandson or something? Did they not do something like that in Rick and Morty? They must have done it at some point. Yeah. Or Rick and Morty is so clever. Like, no, there was one episode where he fucked up the earth so much that, because he was trying to create a love potion for Jennifer, but it, it doesn't work. So they all became obsessed with Morty. Everyone was obsessed with Morty to the point where, like, they were just like all wanting to grab him and like he was Elvis or something, and it got too much. So then he went to Rick, and Rick's like, "Okay, I'll sort it." So he sprayed something. He said, "This should be an antidote," but then it actually, because he got it from like praying mantis uh, DNA, and that turned them all into sort of human hybrid DNA spliced. Uh, praying mantis monsters and it, it just like the whole world was infected so he's like fuck this we'll go to a different earth a different dimension and um t- we'll kill her so <laughs> they killed their own versions of themselves i think they died in the other earth and then they buried them in the new earth and then just took over their lives <laughs> like nothing had happened so but got- it really fucked morty up <laughs> oh my god that's so you don't have any worry yourself uh, yeah, like, missed out on dancing with himself there, <laughs> which I know is your dream. <laughs> <laughs> there was a film, actually, where they were like, I can't remember what this film was called, but basically rich people could basically go clone themselves. So you'd give them your DNA. They would the island. The island, yeah. And then that means if you ever had an accident or you needed like a heart <gasps> transplant or anything, you had an exact copy sitting waiting for you. Oh. That's what I thought you were going to ask, Leslie. Oh, no. no I seen that was that not the film that. um oh shit what was it called it, I don't they, think it was the island it was something else and they were like brought up in an orphanage or something and they were like had relationships and then oh, never let me go never let me go it was one of the most fucking depressing films I've ever seen it was horrific but they oh. were just brought yeah like you said Jazz they were just brought up to be human like like organ rich organ donors for them don't know that that's what their life is they think there's some sort of crazy dystopia where like the yeah. world is going and they have to stay in this place like for their own protection they don't know that there's actually a normal world outside that was just so messed up like, it was so, horrible so when up. they put them away they took them away and then they eventually got more and more organs taken out of them so and then they were just disposed of just like i couldn't do that i think i find that morally wrong but then i don't i can't remember in that film if the, the rich people knew that that's how they were getting their organs yeah i think they did they, they did i think in both they films they do yeah and the that's island not... the one you're talking about yeah is the 100 percent definitely did okay i'm sure they never let me go they did because they're not some whole they definitely thing where, like, did. they're not allowed to go and meet the people yeah. DNA they're a clone of in case it like upsets them to see the organ yeah. harvesting bag Walking around. Around face on it. like i'd rather they grew an organ in a in a yeah. dish or something artificially i wouldn't want to take it from someone else yeah yeah even if that someone else is me oh no it's really freak oh god and do you not have like people that i think this is really sad but i don't know if i would do in this position if your like kid has like leukemia or something and they need like a bone marrow transport in the closest way like you cannot find a donor anywhere, and some people have like a second child, so that 
you can then take it from them. And it's just, it's really sad. Like, the purpose of you being born is so that you can help your older brother or sister. And yeah, you're not really getting much of a chance of life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't agree with that either. I think people do do that, and I that's um, I get why they do it, but at the same time, I find that morally wrong. But then, if you were that parent and you're being told this is your only way to save your child, it's just I I would never. Then what? How would you feel about the other child? Then would that not warp your sense of I don't know why you have no yeah yeah but yeah. And what if it failed? Then you're stuck with a child that you didn't actually like. You'll just look at as well you failed to save my first child so <laughs> or is that just my Fuck you, shit orgy, baby. is that just is that my warped thinking maybe they don't think like that because <laughs> you're right because what if it doesn't fix them like what if, yeah. just because you get a donor and it's perfect it doesn't mean you it, have, it do you then have another child i don't know to fix that. that one you have to wait for them to go old, be old enough to be able to donate an organ as well it's oh. like the um, old women that swallowed the fly but with babies I don't know why she swallowed the fly. That that disturbed me so much. That that nurse is it a nursery rhyme or is it yeah. just yeah, it's a nursery rhyme. swallowed the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps I think she'll she'll, perhaps she'll die. So I used to think if I if I accidentally swallowed the fly, then that would be me again, like the chewing gum situation. I'd be on my deathbed. I mean, if you accidentally swallowed a horse, you would definitely die. So there is some how truth to it. How far does it go? Like, I can't remember how that went. Did she not swallow a spider to spider swallow a fly? Then she swallowed what, what kills spiders? That's a mouse to, mouse to kill the spider. She swallowed a cat to kill the mouse. She swallowed a dog to... For fuck's sake, why can't she just go <laughs> get it removed surgically? And then I feel like there's something in between the dog and the horse, but I can't imagine what would be in between a dog and a horse that would make any logical sense. Die. She would fucking die. She would burst. <laughs> I mean, if you swallowed a cat, you'd die. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you swallowed a rat, you'd die as well. <laughs> like the mouse. Oh, God. Some sort of demon, I think. <laughs> no one can can swallow animals whole like that unless you've got some sort of demon powers or witch powers I think. But anyway let's get back to Jurassic Park yes. So, yeah yeah tell us about Jurassic Park. I know it's written by Michael Crichton. Is it Crichton? Um, I've, I've read one of his books but it was it's always scientific pseudoscience like to do with like more genetically modification and I think he wrote one about mad apes or gorillas. Oh, um, uh, he wrote the science behind science fiction and stuff. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the book good? I never read it. Actually. I've not read it. I think the only one I've read is Firm. No, I've that never was... read any of his books. Okay. No. So I think the uh, book well, is also in the quite film, different right? to the film. Mm, yeah. If you've seen the film, I will disown you right now. I have seen the film. I went to see it. <laughs> it Obviously, I've seen it. Ninety-three. That's how old I. Yeah. I remember oh. everyone talking about how scary it was, and then when I went to see it, I was like, this isn't scary at all. What it's just about? that scene with the T-Rex when they're in the car, and like right. the water, that little boom, boom, and then like the T-Rex is like right up at them. That was quite intense, to be I honest. It was hilarious when there was it the lawyer guy that hid in the toilet, and then yeah. the yeah. toilet got wrapped up, and T-Rex just swallowed him. Oh, he deserved he it, though. I remember him being an absolute ass. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I found like the science behind it really, really interesting. And do you remember there's a part in it where they get, um, they take them around the park and they're like, oh wow, this is amazing. And then they take them into like a wee lecture theatre and they play that video and it's like, hi, I'm Mr. DNA. And he like talks to them how to like, how does this actually happen? Yeah. So I was reading I stuff think about I do this. Remember that. I oh, really? It it's got like, the DNA guy's got like two big googly eyes and then he's just like, all these little pops. <laughs> And he's like, Mr. DNA. It's quite near the very start of the film where they basically right. talk through how they do it. So they're saying that basically the way it was all done was that obviously DNA is like the thumbprint of your life, of everything that you exist in. So they found the DNA in that like amber thingy. Oh no, it was in the mosquito. In the mosquito that it basically right. bit a dinosaur. So now they have blood and obviously there's DNA in blood. So it was basically that they then took this DNA out of the blood and then they analyse it and from that they're able to basically replicate that and then inject it into a frog or something like that for it to exist. How did they get the eggs? Was it snake eggs that they manipulated? or I don't know. It's a mixture of like snake eggs and so there was basically, so the thing I was reading sort of analysing is this even possible because this is a bit Mm. crazy. So if you really had found DNA that old, DNA has like a half-life of 520 years. So every yeah. 520 years, it's like half of it's getting destroyed and then it's got a short, yeah. short life. So dinosaurs were like 7 million years ago. Yeah, so that's not really feasible, is it? I mean, it's like when they say criminal cases like that took place, I don't know, like 50, yeah. 60 years ago, that um, that's why it's really important at crime scenes to gather as much DNA as possible. Whereas, because it could decay yeah. and it's hard so, to get evidence from it. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's a long time to decay, but from the mm-hmm. dinosaurs to now, it would have decayed so much that there's nothing usable. Or even if there is a bit that's usable, it you, you can't, like, it's nonsense. But the way they explained it in the film was that, yeah, it had decayed a bit and it had, like, a couple <laughs> of holes in the thing, but then they just stuck uh, frog DNA into it to, like, make up the holes. Oh, so technically yeah. all the dinosaurs they've created are actually half dinosaur half. Wasn't there something else that, that I remember that they were all female? So that was the Wasn't that thing. the bit where Jeff Goldblum says well, life finds a way or something? Because yeah, how can they reproduce if they're all female? Because yeah. that's an actual quote. So this has two issues in it. So right. they, they make them all female, so they cannot ever reproduce. Ah, they did that deliberately? But they did it deliberately, so they chose that. But see, in real life, I mean, how many people are trying to genetically modify their children and their stuff like that to make sure they get a boy or a girl? You can't do that. So how have they even been able to do that and just say it so casually that, oh, yeah, we can pick if it's a boy or a girl from that bit of DNA that they're playing with when, you know, in real life, you can't do that. Like, maybe in future they'll figure out how I to do it. I think they are trying to do that. I think that they're trying. you can get designer baby. What is it? Designer babies, they're calling it. So you can choose yeah. their eye colour and stuff. Or, Which is just wrong. In my opinion, that's so completely fucking wrong to be doing that. The only time that I think that that would be a good thing is if you've got, like... Oh, I don't want to sound like a Nazi here, but, like, if you've got, like, a gene in your family, like a cancer gene or something that... that you possibility that your child might be born with, like, a, a genetic disease, you could possibly just eradicate that but then you get people who have like children who've got down syndrome say like well i'm horrified by that i wouldn't change my my son or daughter for anything but actually where do you stop like you're saying that 
bad thing, I want to remove it. Someone else thinks, well, having brown eyes is bad. I only want to have blue-eyed children, and then you remove that gene. Where do you we'll stop have it? <laughs> we'll have Hopefully. eating the eating race. Exactly. <laughs> so if if you even even if it is possible, I feel like you should never be allowed to play in something like that because yeah, it's like oh, you can remove diseases, but it's like, but who then regulates that? Who yeah. stops it where you're allowed to play with stuff? I think it's like that guy said with the immortal jellyfish, you know, the Japanese guy who says, look, it, it would be amazing if we could do these things, but human beings aren't ready spiritually to yeah. cope yeah. with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's just going down such a horribly slippery slope. So, yeah, there's a whole that they pick them all to be female when you actually can't do that anyway. Um, another thing is the DNA that they used to fill it in was this frog DNA. And in real life, there is certain species of frogs and snakes that oh, yeah. can flip between male and female. But apparently it's so hard for them to do that, that it's not just a, it just does that because it feels like it. It's because mm-hmm. there's been so much messed up up in their surroundings that their all the males have been eradicated. So they, they have to do it. And it happens over a long time. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen like like that either but yeah that's how they got around the whole like them breeding and then do you remember the scene mm. surely right I'm, I'm not saying Jurassic Park show but surely that then means that that would happen because if you're saying that they've got frog DNA but the frogs only do that when they're in like an it's environment that's not correct for them and all the males have been eradicated but technically all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are all female and they're not where dinosaurs would normally live. So could so that not then do. cause them to change well, the gender? I'm puzzled about, you know how the scene where, what's his name? Dr. <laughs> Sam Neill. I don't know his character's name. <laughs> Dr. Sam Neill. Dr. Sam Neill. Um, you know, the famous meme where he's like, she moves his head around and he takes his sunglasses off and then he sees the, the massive brontosaurus. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, how long did that take to grow up that large? Were they doing it over like decades or did they just genetically modify them so that they grew up like to adulthood in a matter of like weeks? Well, because right after they watch that video bit, he takes them into a room and there's eggs hatching there. So they've, they basically said that everything was grown in a lab and they all hatched in the lab and then they like rear them like baby chicks and then they, once they've grown up a bit, then they can take them out into the park. But it means that none of these babies had mothers either, which I found. But like, mm. like yeah, let's see if you see kitten. Like you, you can't take kittens away from its mom until it's like taught them how to. Exist. Yeah, and also, yeah, that's a good point because how would they learn how to be a dinosaur if they mm. didn't have? Because I'm going to bring that up in my woolly mammoth um, yeah. thing. Is there is they have a, a way of getting around that? Um, with the woolly mammoth, because technically, yeah, if you're if you're just taking an an animal and you're bringing it up, then it it doesn't know it's that animal. Most likely, it'll probably <laughs> think it's a human or something. Like an ice age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in ice age? <laughs> I said she doesn't. This I think it's ice age too, where oh crap, like that annoying creature that it's in it, and I don't actually know what he's asking, but Is he, he a doesn't. He's a sloth. He doesn't know that he's a sloth because he's like oh. brought up by like. <laughs> Oh, I see. <laughs> love Ice Age. Fucking love Ice Age. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it's just, that part of the film never really made sense to me that, fine, you can hatch these little creatures in the lab, but then how do you then, yeah, teach them how to be a dinosaur? But when you're in the park, there's loads of ones where there's, like, big mummy ones and, like, kid ones, so then do they just look after each other and just... 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. I've never really fought it through, have they? But yeah. I've, have you seen the sequels? Yes. So, yeah. So have, this was another uh-huh. point actually about the sequels where actually no, go on. See what you were no, say. no, no, no. I'm just gonna say I can't remember the second one, The Lost World. I don't think I really ever watched that one all the way through. I watched the third one when I went back to the park, but that doesn't really have any basis of what I'm going to try and make a point of. But then when we get to like the, the more recent ones, like Jurassic World, and I can't remember the name of the, the next one, but I've seen it. Is that, Didn't they say that they were spliced or they were, I don't know, that they'd genetically modified them artificially rather than through DNA? Like they changed the whole thing? Like new ones. Yeah. Like, they created hybrid dinosaurs. So, like, the T-Rex wasn't truly a T-Rex. It was just... And also, when you think about it, people don't actually know what dinosaurs really looked like. They assume that they were... They have, like, green or, like, lizard-like skin. But actually, they had feathers. So, you don't see any dinosaurs with feathers. So, they're not really actual true dinosaurs or just what people think dinosaurs should look like. But I think the way they get around that in this film is because they're mixed with like reptile DNA. Oh, frog. Yeah, okay, so they're so they're, they're not actually proper dinosaurs when you no, think about they're, it. No, they're already hybrid dinosaurs because yeah, got other stuff mixed into them. Yeah, there's a bit of it where the way, because they, again, they said that they genetically modified so many things in them so that if they ever escaped, they wouldn't survive. They did the whole oh. thing so they don't... So basically, they, they had... Because there's a part in the film where they ask about the controls of how do you make sure that they stay here and you know, it doesn't go into the rest of the world. And another thing they said they'd done to the DNA was um, they'd made it so they can't produce slicing, which is like an amino acid, like a protein or something, that you need in your body to like help you. It's like one of these essential amino acids that you need. So mm-hmm. apparently they'd taken that out of it so they could never produce it themselves, so that if they ever left the island, they would die. And that also used to really bug me. I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. That what once you leave the island, that's like you. But then they must have fixed that because they did end up unleashed. Yeah, exactly. In the sequels, they're not. They're like not on the island anymore. They keep like yeah. for like swimming away and stuff. Like it. <laughs> there's a lot of things that just didn't make sense. Yeah, surely like if they didn't have that and they needed lysine in their diet, which I don't. I don't know how you get that in your diet because you don't really know what lysine is. But <laughs> <laughs> like. And eggs and stuff it's like meat, beans, eggs, like they're all like lysine free food, rich foods. Oh, right, so explaining. surely that would just mean that they would have a craving for that so that it would make up what they need in their diet. So, surely if they went off the island, even if they were like normally herbivorous dinosaurs, mm-hmm. because they're not technically actually dinosaurs, as you've said, they're new creatures they've made, yep. then they would have a craving for eggs or they would have a craving for raw meat, so they would mm-hmm. still be able to get the lysine. Yeah, maybe actually, because they were eating meat. Like T Rex was eating like yeah. goat and stuff they left them. So yeah, that I do remember that the bit of the film where they're talking about the controls to make sure that it never gets out of hand. And even as a child watching that, never made sense to me because I was like, what about the ones that can fly? And oh yeah, that's true. Like swim, like they're gonna get off the island as well. So. And again, like, the ones that can swim could then just mm-hmm. eat fish while they're swimming which yeah. they'd be able to do because they'd be in the ocean and that would provide them with lysine yep exactly you, you do see like a, pa- a pack of um, pterodactyls flying off at the end of yeah. the last Ooh. jurassic park film or one of them landed on like the empire state building i think or one of the buildings which makes me think of king kong another very upsetting <laughs> film <laughs> 
his birthday. So, yeah, no, you're right. But as much as I love Jurassic Park so much, I do mm-hmm. love that film. But it's just, yeah, scientifically just very, very, very flawed. Because, was it the yeah. was it the guy, what's his name, Hammond's? What's his name? John Hammond? No, that's the guy from Top Gear. No, that's Richard Hammond. <laughs> no, I think his name is John Hammond. John Hammond, yeah. Right. To me, it's like, why why did you bring your grandchildren? And doesn't it come out later that he genetically modified his own grandchild or something? Like, she was a clone. Is that the sequels or something? Yeah, in the sequels. Yeah, is that the, is that the most recent one where she... Oh, her daughter like, died. And then he created a new one. So oh, then she... it brings us back to what we were saying in the beginning. Is she really her daughter, her granddaughter, what? or just like his granddaughter's sister? <laughs> Wait, what does he clone her from? Um, he clones the... her from the, the dead granddaughter, but then yeah. does it not turn out that, which made no sense, but is it's there not a bit where we find out that, yeah, the plugged in the gaps in her DNA with the DNA of the dinosaurs (laughs) we made, which then is really confusing because it's like, but why would her DNA have started to break down already? Like, she was a small child and she just died. Surely plugging it with the gap, uh, plugging the gaps is like... The point is, okay, so (laughs) he proved that he could could bring back, in quotes, dinosaurs, because they're not really proper dinosaurs, so essentially he's just like the mad Mephisto that lives in like South Park creating like things with five asses. It doesn't really matter. And he's bringing his like grandchildren to this park and putting them in danger using them as guinea pigs. It's fucked up. He thought it was safe. He thought it was all really, really safe. (sighs) I just, I, 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 uh. so if someone, say someone did that in real life, created a park full of like ancient animals from the past. Would yeah. you go to it? Yes. Would you pay money? You would. Yes. So without hesitation, no, no there doubt no. whatsoever. I, <laughs> I don't really go to zoos because I don't think you should be looking animals up. But I don't know. I think it was wrong that they created it to start with. I'd a hundred percent go. I disagree with creating things like that, animals like that, for profit. If you're going to do something like, like I'm going to talk about the woolly mammoth. In fact, fuck it, I'm going to talk about the woolly mammoth. So. I feel like- Create it and just let them be. And it'd be like There's a reason. Therapy. See, I thought, why bring back a woolly mammoth that was extinct 4,000 years ago, that went extinct 4,000 years ago? Is the why bother? Because you have a mammoth fetish. No, I don't. <laughs> <Okay>. I, don't like <laughs> I was just checking. How dare you, Mark? <laughs> you think I am? I know I want to fuck myself, but that's just taking things too far. <laughs> The reason why a woolly mammoth—they're saying that they want to bring back the woolly mammoth—is is for the benefit of the environment. Because uh, where do you think the best place for a woolly mammoth would be to roam? Do you I think guess about like the north or south poles because they lived in the snow? No, that's too cold for them. There's not enough okay. vegetation. Where else would you think logically they should go? I don't Here? know what the point of them is. <laughs> Right, okay. We've got so, lots of greenery and it's not as cold. They're not coming to Scotland. They're too big and we're too small. So the best place for them to go would be uh, the tundra in Siberia. And they've already created their own sort of Jurassic Park there. Where they have... It's a certain era where, where the mammoths would have roamed. There is a project based in Harvard. And it's called Willy Mouth. Uh, Willy Mouth. The Willy... <laughs> <laughs> Mammoth Revive and Restore Project. 
okay? And okay. basically what they're doing is they have created a park in Siberia where they've brought back like animals that would have lived five, four thousand years ago and roamed that the lands there. So what they're saying is the reason why they're doing this is to stop the tundra from melting because it contains like the most methane or something like trapped gases that are frozen in the ground. And if that melts, it's going to be catastrophic for the earth. So these animals that roam that land that that are basically evolved to survive in that place they're grazers so they'll, they'll encourage like grass to grow grasslands in the tundra and they'll also like ma- manipulate or move snow about so that it's not all just snow and compact they'll actually like biological <laughs> snow plows sort of thing okay. and that allows the grass to grow and the more grasslands they have it means that the more sunlight is reflected off of that so that it doesn't then melt the frost, the, the permafrost underneath. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. There's been a lot of things like that where they want to, in, like, where there's maybe been too much poachers or animals have died out and it, it has an actual whole ecological effect on the environment. So this is almost like reintroducing. So do you think that land has went to crap because yeah. these mammoths have disappeared? Well, a lot of the animals that were there um, disappeared and because of, like, the warmer summers and things like that, uh, there's not there wasn't a lot of like grazing species that were there it was like mm. so it's called the mammoth steppe it's a it was a grassland ecosystem called the mammoth steppe and it was mm. home to an abundant grazing herds of antelope deer caribou horses bison and woolly mammoths what they've done it so far is gathered all the animals that are still about like antelope deer caribou horses and bison put it in this area and they want to then eventually introduce the woolly mammoths to that area now the reason they think they can do this and the the era where the woolly mammoths it's called the i don't know if i can pronounce this right the place the pleistocene um so you know you've got your jurassic era and stuff like that well this is a pleistocene era and they vanished leading to an ecosystem conversion away from abundant grasses to more a shrub dominated community there wasn't enough for them yeah, so they're saying without large animals to compact and scrape away thick insulating layers of winter snow, extreme winter cold does not penetrate the soil. The fact that fact coupled with significantly warmer summers accelerates the melting of the permafrost and the release of greenhouse gases that have been trapped for millennia underneath That's the tundra. The global warming, it's making it heat yeah. up even more. Yeah, so they want to try and prevent all this carbon release from melting the world's permafrost is equivalent to burning all the world's forests two and a half times if that melts. So you can see how grave that is. Put, you can't put like loads of cows there, like loads of highland cows. No, no. It needs to be like bison because I don't think, I know highland cows have like woolly pelts but it's probably not thick enough to but survive you not just breed then more of whatever animal we already have rather than creating well he's created place so seen uh, park in siberia <laughs> russia it's got 16 square kilometers or kilometers it currently home to five major herbivore species bison musk ox moose horses and reindeer and well. They want to introduce the woolly mammoth. Now, how they do that is, unlike Jurassic Park, where they've had to make up the genetics because nothing are genetically close to dinosaurs sort of existed. Mm. 
apart from maybe the crocodile, like you say, like reptiles and things like that, but they're also related to birds. But there's no like closest living relative or something. But with the woolly mammoth, what they've said is the closest um, genetically to the woolly the woolly mammoth is the Asian elephant. Mm, I'm thinking elephants, but they're not. They usually live in the warm countries. Well, yeah, that's true. But they have said that some Asian elephants basically tolerate cold weather for short periods of time, like the ones that are in zoos in Canada and cold places, Scotland, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, so what they've said is, and also this is interesting as well. So the, another reason why they want to resurrect a woolly mammoth is to actually save the Asian elephant because... Oh there's ancient DNA that holds secrets that impact modern biology and medicine. So what they're saying is, unfortunately, the the Asian elephant has, there's some sort of virus or something genetically wrong with them that's like a herpes that's killing off these elephants and affecting them. And they can't find, um, they can't find like a, an inoculation or anything. So what they've said is that they could take mammoth hemoglobin and it may reveal information about mammalian blood useful to treating not only the Asian elephants but human diseases and potentially the future of space exploration such as surviving cold environments. But the mutations that create mammoths... I totally thought for a second you were going to say that we're going to send mammoths into space, which I was really excited about. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, they're... They can use that to save the Asian elephant as well, um, which I found really interesting. And what they would what they would propose to do? So how would they do it? Now they are they're in a lab. Now there's several there's there's people like there's some, there's a guy in like North South Korea who he basically got got um I think he got imprisoned for claiming that he could clone humans or something. They claimed it was cloning humans, but then he ended up um, creating a company to clone people's dogs instead. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about, right? So they've claimed that they found, um, because woolly mammoths are found all the time under the ground, like under the ice in Siberia and several places, because um, their tusks are worth quite a lot of money for their ivory. Um, on the market, it's in the black market or whatever, when they sell them, they're worth about £190,000 each. So a lot of the Inuit people or the people of, not the Inuit people, the local people in Siberia or wherever these mammoths are found tend to risk their lives trying to get these mammoth corpses so that they can get the ivory and that would basically, you know, like let their, that gives them enough money to survive. To survive, yeah, for the year for their village and stuff. And this guy said that they recently discovered a woolly mammoth corpse that had been flash frozen enough that um, there's actually frozen blood in its veins that they could use. But they dispute this. They don't know. And they want to try and use the blood to actually clone the woolly mammoth. But the one in Harvard, they they don't want to do that. They just think that's, that's not right. They want to do it in a different way. And the way that they intend to do it is to create a surrogate womb or surrogate uterus, like an artificial mm-hmm. one that they can yeah. grow an embryo in. That So what they do is they take the, the, the genetic code of a woolly mammoth and then they take the genetic code of an Asian elephant and they try and like switch on whatever. Remember like when I said about the immortal jellyfish that there mm-hmm. were certain cells that you could switch on and off? 
to do yeah. the things. So they would they want to find like the cells that produce more hair and fat that that would mutate into a woolly mammoth from an Asian elephant that would create a mutant form of an Asian elephant that would turn into a woolly mammoth because their genetics are so similar that technically if a woolly mammoth and an Asian elephant mated, they could create a baby together, more woolly mammoths. So they want to try and like create the genes to... Is this not the whole thing that like you should get? Was it like donkey and a horse and they mated together? They would produce an offspring, but that offspring wouldn't be able to mate. Yeah, that would because they're so, like um, a mule. Yeah. So would it end up being, like they'd have to create several of these then, and then would they get be able to get them to eventually like, well, meet? Like that's why they want to create um rather than using Asian elephants as surrogate mothers and surrogate wombs, yeah. they would they want to create an artificial uh, womb hmm. or an artificial uterus and grow them that way. Well, and it's more like, oh. more like the egg and the sperm that you're using because the surrogate no, womb going... matter. Backwards, they're, they're implanting so, it in. They're implanting yeah. it in. Oh, so they're, so they're right in there. Yeah, they're adding the genes okay. that, that they're turning on the genes that require that make up the woolly mammoth, like the features of the woolly mammoth that will mutate it into like a hairy woolly woolly mammoth, right. essentially. But they'll be with heart egg though. Yeah, they're okay. right. There's more information about it right. about how they do it. So. Yeah. It. Okay, so progress to date. Here we it's go. It's really interesting. Like, really, really I interesting. find it so fascinating. So what they've said is building a woolly mammoth out of an Asian elephant begins with identifying the genes in the mammoth genome that code for free essential adaptions. So they need blood oxygen that release at low temperatures. They need thick hair that protects them from the elements and subcutaneous fat for insulation and fasting. So the Harvard-based team, led by Dr. George Church, apparently this guy's like really old looking. He's got a long white hair and a beard look, kind of like how you'd imagine God to look like, you know, in the stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> he's currently using something called the CRISPR genome engineering to copy and paste DNA from the mammoth genome into living elephant cell cultures. Today, a number of genes have been successfully rewritten into Asian elephant cell lines, generating increasingly mammoth-like cells with each precise edit. Mutations for mammoth hemoglobin, extra hair growth, fat production, down to nuanced climate adaptions such as slightly altered sodium ion channels and cell membranes have already been engineered into fibroblast cell lines. So the next, do you follow this? So I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I'm getting what you're meaning. It's what you said is, so this could happen. This theoretically could be possible. So they've said the fibroblasts are being reprogrammed into induced pluripotent stem cells such stem cells are immortal in the lab meaning there's no need for new cell cultures or reharvesting from additional tissue samples they can then be developed into multiple tissue types for studying the effects of mammoth mutations on the traits of cells for example they could be developed into red blood cells the oxygen carrying capacity of these blood cells can be tested under varying temperatures and stress conditions without ever producing an animal Similar tests can be done for fat and hair growth. So they're trying to like do yeah. them individually. And then what they'll do when the completion of publication of multiple fully sequenced woolly mammal genomes, the church lab is discovering potential cold climate adaptions in different genes. The woolly mammoth and Asian elephant genomes are different by 
1.4 million mutations, meaning an Asian elephant is already 99.96% woolly mama. So, <laughs> of those... like What worries me is that what? you're saying that they're trying all these different things in the lab, and that's great, but when they actually start doing it on elephants, like, how many... Like, no, they're not doing it on elephants. They're, no, no, they're, when doing they, they're doing all this in the lab, but eventually they're going to have to get to the stage where they actually try to create something. So... Once it's created, how many like messed up things are they going to create? I don't know. I think that's why they're experiment. Make sure, like, because this is what they'll do. So once the woolly mammoth-like traits appear sufficiently in stem cell-derived tissues, once they've got that right, the church lab can then begin experiments to generate embryos. So that's the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you're saying, possibly through stem cell embryogenesis. George Church's ambitious plan is to construct an artificial uterus to gestate the embryos. This plan technique would eliminate the need to use Asian elephants as surrogate mothers to breed a new generation of woolly mammoths. These plans may sound like far-fetched science fiction, but two recent relevant breakthroughs, this blew my mind, right, and advanced reproductive technologies were announced. You might not like to hear this, Jazz, but there was the birth of mouse pups from 3D-printed ovaries, into that's the, amazing yeah the growth so they've actually done this with mice and artificial ovaries printed from a 3d printer that's mental and they've also grown fetal lambs that were transferred to an artificial uterus part way through the pregnancy so they do that great anatomy as well do they i've never watched that <laughs> they grow baby lambs in bags and basically the point of it was that so like see if you've got mothers that can't carry babies to term then you could take yeah. the baby and like grow it in the artificial sack yeah they totally do that wow. in crazy anatomy <laughs> so this is the end of this thing it says so once the first generation of modern woolly mammoths are born they will be in the care of captive asian elephant family groups and zoos providing growing mammoths the social imprinting they need to form snow-trodding hairs of their own. While they're adopted Asian elephant parents, yeah, so that explains the sort of, like, when we're talking about Jurassic Park, where they don't have mothers. Yeah. That's their plan for that. I don't know if that would work, but, because would they reject them? Who knows? I think elephants take on other babies' elephants, though, because they're actually... Yeah, Yeah, elephants are, like, really caring animals. Yeah, so it may work. And it yeah. says, while their adoptive elephant parents will not be able to tolerate cold weather for extended periods of time, baby woolly mammoths can still be fostered in cold climates to prepare them for living in the wild. Once a captive breeding population of woolly mammoths is large enough, herds can be established at suitable grassland restoration sites throughout the Arctic. The premier future mammoth grounds could be Russia's Pleistocene Park in northeastern Siberia. But it's going to take years and years and years for them to do this. This is only the beginning. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see this. Like, I worry that when they do, like, eventually get woolly mammoths, and I think they will eventually, that when they release them, people are just going to hunt them. Yeah, that's also I as mean, It's like once they're successful, they're going to get poached. Because they're already sure. selling their, their, their deads, like, yeah, ivory to for money so imagine what it's going to be like i mean people could breed them for that purpose there needs just, to be pl- things put in place to stop that yeah i just have zero faith in human beings to be honest so i just yeah. don't think it's going to turn into like something really awful because i thought well what um because then i thought well could they bring back the dodo because i'd love to see them roaming about but then 
I feel like this is a point I can jump in. (laughs) Yes, okay. (laughs) So I looked at three other ways that scientists either have or are really close to bringing creatures back from the dead. And one of them is the dodo. Although I think I'm going to do the dodo one last (laughs) of the three, just because I think that's a good way for it to flow. So the first one I looked at was a scientist that are working on bringing the Pyrenean ibex back from the dead. So the Pyrenean ibex became extinct, I think, about 30 years ago. It's like a large... Yeah, for horse, you know, like the guy that went, you know, your friend yeah. Alan that went on. <laughs> <laughs> Just a shout out to him. It's a goat. It is a goat. It <laughs> was a deer. To be fair, to be fair I've written down it's a large goat because when I looked at a picture of it, I was like, oh, what a lovely deer. <laughs> It was like basically my friend went on uh, who wants to be a millionaire and it got to the question where like there's a goat looking thing and it was like is it an, uh, a deer or a goat or whatever and whichever one that he picked like Chris Tarrant went yeah yeah that's totally the right answer and then when the thing flashed up it was actually wrong and he looked so devastated and it was like all over lad Bible and everything so the only reason I know the word Ibex is because of that <laughs> <laughs> And he, remember well, he said that the, the, the bank that he worked for or whatever the company he worked for, the, the Ibex was their like symbol. Well, in his defense, it really looks like a deer. Like basically it's a species of goat, but it looks like a massive deer with huge <laughs> horns. Um, what the scientists working on it have done is they've not done anything again with deer, because apparently they're not deer. Uh, I'm really glad this man thought the same as me, by the way, because I felt really daft when I was looking at it. So... <laughs> Scientists have found viable DNA of the Pere- sorry, Pyrenean ibex in France because, as you said, Jazz, like the half-life like won't have broken down yet because the samples they've found is in like mountainous areas, so it's partially frozen and it's not been dead that long. Um, so they've got the viable DNA and they've basically attempted to clone it, um, and then they implanted the fetus in either Iberian ibexes or alpine ibexes in order for them to give birth. Now, they've actually managed to clone the baby fine from this DNA, but then when they've implanted it in the wombs of the Iberian ibex and the alpine ibex, it's never come to anything except for once. There was one Iberian ibex that gave birth to a Pyrian ibex, um, but it lived for, I think, three hours and then died. So obviously that's not great, but <laughs> it is in theory a way that you could bring creatures back from the dead. It's, you know, getting close to being successful, but it's not successful yet. But this is my sort of argument with the woolly mammoths that they're growing in these sacks. It's like they're going to have so many failed ones before they get a proper one. Like when they get to that stage that they're actually growing them, they're not going to be like perfect straight away. So they're they're going to like have loads of dead ones first. Well, well, it's sort of like evolution sort of speeded up, oh. isn't it? But then I've what they're saying is... That. Oh, okay. Well, no, I've got a solution to that. <laughs> I came up with a scientific theory that can solve that. There's scientists that were working on the gastric brooding frog who were having similar problems. So do you guys know what a gastric brooding frog is? No. I feel like you're going to love this, Leslie, and Yaz, you're probably going to hate it. So the gastric brooding frog was a species of frog that uh, is now extinct. It became extinct in 1983. And the reason that it's different from other frogs is because instead of uh, either laying eggs or having live birth through its little frog vagina, uh, um, 
has it has live birth through its mouth. Oh. Right. <laughs> it just spews really cool. kids. Yeah, so basically, like, its babies grow in a sack similar to a womb, like, down its throat that's, like, above its stomach. And when it's ready to give birth, yeah, it basically, like, spews out live adult, fr- well, oh, not adult frog thing. babies, but, like, small <laughs> frogs. <laughs> Do we need yeah. it though? Do we really need it? Um, why would we not need it? So <laughs> they were having similar problems to the scientists trying to bring the pyrene ibex back from the dead, but they started using a new, te- a new technique. Now, admittedly, they started using this in 2013, and it's also so yes, you're still technically right, not been successful yet, but it is working better. So what they've been doing is they've been implanting a cell nucleus from a dead gastric brooding frog into the hollowed out egg because they think it might be the egg that's causing the problem with like the cloning so they're injecting the nucleus into a hollowed out healthy egg from other species of frog and then implanting the egg in the right conditions to hatch but then obviously they're then having the issue that because other frogs lay eggs they're then putting it in the conditions that that frog's egg would hatch in but it's not being successful but if they manage to perfect it, then that would mean that instead of tadpoles hatching out the egg, it would be baby gastric brooding frogs, which when they grew up would then be able to breed and would give birth to babies through their mouths. Oh, God. But why? There's going to be a lot. Exactly. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I, don't, I didn't check why. I feel like your thing on mom was just so much more detailed than mine. I'm just like, why not? It's a frog that gives birth out of its mouth. That's exciting. I mean, it is an argument that, that scientists are saying, oh, well, you can accuse us of, like, playing God and stuff, but I say that that's bullshit. They they basically claim that we're just putting right what once went wrong, like a sort of quantum leap situation. Like, we fucked up. We made these people, these made these animals extinct, so we're just going to bring them back. Yeah, so we have, like, science. a responsibility to put yeah, them back. That's, that's I suppose as well, it'll probably be similar to what you're saying with the mammoths, like, they will fill a niche in an ecosystem, so... Mm-hmm. It'll be damaging the ecosystem that they've not been there since 1983. So yeah, it's like I guess they're kind of trying to to certain areas, like or beavers to certain areas, and it's actually had a brilliant, like a, a a very positive effect on the ecosystem, especially the wolves, because it's it's allowed other species to actually yeah. thrive because there's more competition, and then there's like the the wolves are sort of eating whatever was eating them, and then it's it's sort of all balanced out. Yeah, again, it'll, I mean, I'm not saying that bringing back these frogs that give birth out their mouth will stop global warming, but it obviously <laughs> will have some sort of positive impact because us killing them off will have caused okay. more damage to the ecosystem than us damaging the ecosystem. Mm, okay, so the third so one, which is the one to do with dodos. So I kind of end so up looking... Stupid. Weren't they just so <laughs> stupid that they ended up like being extinct because of their... their, their yeah. Uh, no, they actually, that's a common misconception. Oh, they again became extinct because we killed them all. So, yeah, it was because um, they were so stupid. <laughs> they didn't run away. But then that's not really being stupid. <laughs> you shouldn't assume that anything that comes near you is going to beat you to death. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, scientists have been looking into bringing them back. And this isn't really my third way, but this jumps into my third way. So they've been looking into bringing them back. And there was basically a group of scientists claiming that they'd been pretty much like they're on the verge of being successful with bringing the dodos back from the dead. And then this group of scientists that work with what's called chimeras pointed out that they weren't close to bringing the dodo back from the dead because what they were doing is exactly what Yaz was talking about with Jurassic Park. So they found a species of pigeon 
that's DNA was similar to Dodo's and they'd found like really degraded Dodo DNA and what they were doing was picking out the bits of the Dodo DNA that still existed and then filling in all the gaps with a pigeon. So what they were actually doing, <laughs> had it been successful and been born, and as you had said, it could have been monstrous, right? We don't know what would have been weighed <laughs> on it. They were basically creating a creature that was half dodo, half pigeon, but like it could have been anything. It could have had like a dodo head coming out of its arse and a pigeon <laughs> head coming out of its head. Like there's no way to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate pigeons graphic. enough as it is. I don't think we need more exactly. of them. Never mind a fucking dodo version. Like quite bigger as well. Yeah, but then, dodos are massive. I seen one in the. It wasn't an actual dodo in the Natural History Museum in London. Mm-hmm. It was just like a, a fake version of it. What it would have looked like. It did look quite realistic, but it also looked ridiculous. I can't believe they were, those things were real. They do look like something that was grown in a lab. <laughs> well, if they made the trimera of it, it would look even again like even sure. more freaky. Like you don't know what it would look like. So the reason that they're called it's called like Chimera science is like I said it could have had a head coming out of its head and a head coming out of its arse. So do you both know like the the myth of the Chimera? No. And I don't know it's like half and half something that's half and half. I've seen cats that are like Chimeras where they've got like half black and half white. So the reason that those cats are called that so in order for it to be an actual Chimera cat it's not that it's half black and half white it's that when the fetuses were developing in the mum cat's womb, mm-hmm. two cats, basically like two of the fetuses fused oh God, together. That sounds horrific. Fused <laughs> like together perfectly enough for them still to survive instead of them dying. And uh-huh. it forms one creature. So an actual Chimera oh. cat, and they do exist. Wait, its right was... side is one kitten, and its left side is an entirely different kitten. I'm sure that's and they're fused together. Well. Say that again. Humans can can be chimeras as well. Like yep. what yeah, there saying, are like cases wins? of yeah uh, yeah there are cases of humans being chimeras. And sometimes, like if you're a human chimera, it'll be like maybe your hair on one side and your eye color on one side is different from another, or even your skin tone. But sometimes with the X-ray, you'll have like extra teeth, like sort of again, you don't know where the bits so, are going to show up. So you may have like extra teeth up at the back of your nose or something because so you you're actually technically it's two fetuses fused together. But then your brain is normally one brain, or even if it's two brains fused together, like they don't think separately, they think as one. So mm-hmm. you'd still grow up and have, which is then that kind of threw me about it. So yeah, you'll grow up and have one set of thoughts. You'll be like an individual. And like with the cat, it would be like a little cat individual with its own thoughts and personality. But technically, it is two beings entirely fused together. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, sometimes that can result in like extreme deformities and death. And the case of the uh, Chimera of Lycia, which was like an ancient uh, Greek myth, it was the idea of this monster that guarded Lycia. And it was basically a lion, but it had a, like goat's spine. But obviously a goat's spine isn't as long as a lion's spine, so it had a goat's head coming out of its back halfway. Oh and then instead of a tail, <laughs> it had a poisonous viper. So that's where this comes from, because they're like, well, it's one or it's like two or three beings fused together Is and that that's like what the chimera was no, a platypus looks like it should be a chimera but it's just a like genetic anomaly oh, it's okay. just a one look really unusual whereas and to be fair so naturally current chimeras are going to be a human fused with a human or a cat fused with a cat but the like dodo pigeon well that would be an artificially made one 
And the reason that the other scientists were saying, well, that's a chimera and it's not something you've invented is because there are already multiple types of artificially made chimeras that exist in the world. Oh, such as? So Hmm. there is the Angora spider goat. What? A spider goat? (laughs) Oh, God. I'm trying it already in my head. That's horrific. So scientists managed to isolate where the part of the DNA and angora goats that causes them to produce angora wool instead of hair. And they removed that part of the DNA. And then they took uh, spiders that are like silk spinners. And they isolated the part of their DNA that causes them to spin silk instead of normal web material. And they replaced it with angora. And then they basically like, I want to say germinated, but they're not plants. But I'm going to say germinated. The eggs. Perfect. And then when the baby spiders hatched out. Sorry, yes. Yeah. That's inseminated or... Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's the word <laughs> we're That's throwing them everywhere, isn't it? So <laughs> once they did that and the baby spiders hatched out, the baby spiders, instead of... And they don't look exactly like normal spinner spiders. They're a slightly different colour. But effectively, they are spiders. Like, they've got eight legs. They've got the rest of what a spider would have going on. But instead of spinning webs, when they would go to spin webs, they basically just spin pure angora out the back of them. That's fucked up. And they were able to breed these creatures. Because going back again to what you said earlier, Yaz, because they're not... They're not crossbred creatures. They're genetically modified creatures. So... They bred and they had babies, and their babies are also able to spin angora wool. Oh, so that was the first one of it. It makes me think of Gremlins too, the new batch. Remember they were in the science yeah. lab and they, had, like, they were all spliced. I always wanted to splice the tomato, which was fun. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Gremlins. That is probably like, my favorite really film. Yeah, one of them was spliced with a spider. One of them was like electricity. It was just an electricity oh, yeah. gremlin. It went in the phones and all that yeah. as well. I fucking love gremlins. The second one that I found that I thought was really interesting and kind of sounds like something that would happen in like a B movie where you create a monster <laughs> is they isolated the cell in mice that causes cancer and then they removed part of it and replaced it with the human herpes virus because... You can grow herpes in a lab and it doesn't have to be on a living thing. So they basically grew, germinated is the right word this time because they spread it about everywhere. They germinated the herpes virus, but the herpes virus contained mouse cancer. So eventually, after multiple regenerations, the herpes would have cancer. And they did this so that they can, like basically cancer research have done this, so that they can research cancer without having to infect any animals. Oh. And that means that they can look for better cures for human cancers. See, this is a good thing. Yeah, that's see, that's a purpose. Fine. Like, as much as I'm against animal testing, it's, I'd rather they test on an animal than a human, to be honest. So. I mean, even the angora spiders, like, I watched a little video of them and they looked quite happy. They were just, like, cutting about and what looked like a shed <laughs> spinning angora. Like, they seem And I suppose that's a, I think that's also a good thing as well, because the spiders are just spinning that naturally. And then you're not having to like breed angora goats, and then so essentially just like you have too many of them just for their wool, like you know, like breed mink for their for pelts yeah. and stuff. Where you've got a spider that just spins it for you already. Yeah, ready you don't have made to angora. Kill the spider, like the spider can yeah. still have its natural life cycle. That's and then amazing. the third one that I found, which I'm slightly more unnerved by, 
is, and they had like special licenses to do this, and it was done under very controlled conditions. So scientists have successfully put human DNA into monkeys and pigs so that when they grow, they're internally human, but externally still a monkey or a pig. And basically they grew them up to 28 days so that they could check that human organs like brain tissue, liver tissue and so on, that matched humans was starting to develop. And then at that point, they have to kill the fetus, which is already planted. That's very never let me go kind of shit. No, I don't like that. Yeah, because I'm like, if you're growing a human brain in a pig, then surely if it was to grow to adulthood, it would just be a human that looked exactly like a pig. Yeah, that's it's not really a pig with a human's brain, is it? That's like, like the island of internally a human. Yeah. <laughs> this is full on wrong now. Like, just, yeah. That's taking it too far. So, yeah. my question to you guys before we move on is, mm-hmm. if you were to make a chimera, so remember it can only be two or three creatures combined together, what would you like to make? Um, I think I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not optional, yes, you have to make one. I would like... A winged horse that shits out strawberries. A fine choice. A unicorn. <laughs> hmm. Don't know. I want a dragon, like, in how to make a dragon. Oh, a dragon? Make... Yeah. You can make a dragon, though, because you're not, like, hybridise a, like... A lizard uh, with... Yeah, bird. like a big... Like a kimono dragon with, yeah, some sort of bird that would have the bird. wingspan to support its flight. Yeah, but it like has to it has to be cute, though, like... And that's <laughs> that's <laughs> why I want the flying horse that shits out <laughs> rainbows or <laughs> strawberries. My immediate thought was, like, a uh, like little sort of dog, like maybe a lassa apso, but uh-huh. crossed with a duck. And I don't know why, I just think that would be really cute. Like, <laughs> if it had little wings and a little beak. <laughs> why not just have a duck, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> friends and they've got like a duck and a chicken you just do that no no i want my hybridized duck dogs okay so selfish um can you make cats and dogs that people aren't allergic to i feel like that's something they're actually working on well no because the guy that invented the labradoodle said that he wished that he could go back in time and undo what he did because what he he said he'd made a monster which brings me to Frankenstein. But he, <laughs> so why did he say he'd be a monster? Because they're mental. He says the dogs are actually insane. Like, yeah. they're crazy. And yep. it was wrong to do that because they're all yep. hyperactive and they're just like, and they have a lot of medical problems as a result. But the only reason why he crossbred them is because he found that they didn't shed a lot of, like, fur so that it was good for people who had allergies. But the downside was that they had a mental dog. I suppose like, you could make a puppy that had, because as I said, they've like isolated the Angora DNA. So you could make a puppy that instead of having fur had Angora wool, and then it wouldn't have <laughs> anything wrong with it because all that would have changed would be that instead of having fur, it would have Angora wool. But it's then not fur you're allergic to. It's like the, there's, there's sweat and the protein coming out of them. That's what you're actually allergic to. Yeah, in cats, it's the saliva that you're allergic yeah, to. Yeah, huh? and they're licking themselves. So it's yeah. Warm. And that's there's going lots, the mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of dogs like that they've been genetically kind of played with, and they've got so many health problems. It's just wrong, which still makes me come back to the mammoth thing of like, stop messing about with shit. You like, you don't know what you're gonna do. But it's to save the earth, yes. But what if you create a monster? I think you should be more worried about the pig babies than the mammoth. Yes. <laughs> 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 about the fucking pig babies. 
Please don't make pig babies. This is wrong. So, um, Leslie, mad science. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, left animals go to people now. I was like, just going to talk about like how Mary Shelley was sort of inspired by to to write Frankenstein um, because in her day, like she was around in the early 19th century and before that there was like scientists that were messing around in the 18th century with electricity. So in the mid 18th century, electricity had captured the imaginations of many of Europe's top scientists. And at that time, they knew fuck all about it, really. They were just playing about with it. Like static electricity, for instance, they sort of discovered that. You know how like if you rub something against something else, then it just produces a spark. So some scientists noticed this and they started like using static electricity to using like they wanted to generate it using spinning machines to generate the static electricity. And then there's Benjamin Franklin who had a kite experiment that in 1752 that proved that light lightning was of the same essence. So that's how they, they sort of eventually discovered electricity existed. Now there was one guy at the he was a surgeon and he was called Luigi Galvani and he was at the University of Bologna in Italy. I think you mentioned that before in a previous podcast of the Bologna Gazette or something, Mark. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And he was. No, I, I did. Yeah. You're right. It was. Um, yeah. <laughs> was it not in the immortality one, like the yeah. wandering Jew? Did the, he not get interviewed by the Bologna Gazette? Probably, yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of crazy people there. So this guy was investigating the effects of electricity on animals which I don't really approve of, but I'm guessing they were dead anyway. So it was not an unusual line of inquiry. So they knew electrical shocks produced violent spasms and speculated that electricity might cause muscular contractions. So this guy in 1781, while he was dissecting a frog near a static electricity spinning machine, he thought, ah, fuck it. I'll just put the scalpel to a nerve in its leg. And the frog's leg jumped. So he started repeating this and several other experiments, observing the same violent muscle spasms, and he noticed that the frog's legs occasionally twitched when they were hung from a brass hook and allowed to touch on an iron trellis. So he joined a length of each metal together to form a brass and iron arc that made the leg muscles contract when touched, and he became known as the frog dancing master. Oh, what a freak. Fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry, I like that just as you said what a freak he has, I wouldn't say what a cool nickname. <laughs> I wish my nickname was the Frog Dancing Master. Because he would like, you know, show off what he'd found out and he would like rig up all these frogs and make them dance with electricity, which is so fucked up. But anyway, so he then believed that it was he discovered something called animal electricity. Now, this is where it gets weird. So he believed it resided in the frog itself rather than that it was the electricity doing that to the frog. He thought that the electricity came from the frog. He okay. thought that the biometallic arc merely conducted the electricity from one part of the frog to the nerve, causing the leg to jump. But there was another guy called Alessandro Volta. Now, his name might seem sort of familiar because that's where we get the word voltage from. It's also a really hot name. I wish that was my name. I know, Alessandro Volta. I don't know what he looks like, but he's, he's, he's got a really hot name. I agree. <laughs> I would 100% go to his gig. Like, What's <laughs> <laughs> his name? So he was like his rival. So Volta, um, he'd already earned an imposing reputation as a discoverer of electrical capacitance, potential and charge, as in like the first battery. 
And he also discovered and was the first to isolate methane gas. So he replicated Galvani's experiments and helped popularise his work. But Volta reached very different conclusions. He believed that electricity came from two metals used in the arc, which is essentially correct, and that the frog was acting as the conductor instead. So within the year, he replaced the frog's leg with brain-soaked paper, detected the current, and challenged Galvani to a fucking jewel or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so then the scientific world at that time divided into two camps. Animal electricity, which is just a bunch of dumb fucks, they're wrong, essentially, versus dissimilar metals, who are correct. The feud became bitter. At one point, Volta wrote to her friend that his opponents wanted him dead. So they're like gangsters of the science world, like West Side versus East Side or something. <laughs> and he's like, I'll be damned if I oblige them, he added, as in they're not going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1799, Volta, the gangster, invented the Voltaic Pile, a stack of discs of two different metals separated by brown-soaked paper. The galvanic or voltaic cell was the world's first battery. Yeah, so he thinks. Didn't they find like a battery that they thought was um, in Iraq? No, it was in Iraq, Babylonia or something. And the progenitor of... You're, you're just biased, Shazman, because you're Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I'm telling you, it was in Iraq. But they can have <laughs> and then the progenitor of automotive lead acid batteries so we know that volta stack worked today because the similar metals transferred electrons in an oxidation reduction reaction and the frog's legs moved because electricity plays a role in muscular contractions because doesn't our brain send electric signals to mm. our muscles or something that's how it works as electrical yeah. Of course, it would take many decades to work out the details to reach this level of understanding. So how did this all influence a young Mary Shelley and lead her to come up with Frankenstein? Well, Galvani's nephew, Giovanni Aldini, he was a fierce partisan of animal electricity, i.e. a dumb fuck, but he didn't <laughs> ignore Volta's pile. Aldini used it to tour the capitals of Europe and demonstrate the medical benefits of electricity or not. His demonstrations involved, right, this is where I think it gets really fucked up. His demonstrations involved jolting corpses with electricity oh and making decapitated criminals sit upright. Why? I mean, <laughs> everyone needs a hobby, don't they? I guess they were bored back then. It's not like they had the internet or anything. So, they, I mean, well, going to a hanging was the equivalent of us going clubbing at the weekends, wasn't it? So... <laughs> Go to a party afterwards. So Aldini's most famous expedition, ex, expedition, oh fuck, I can't speak, um, took place in 1803 at the Newgate Prison in London. He inserted metal rods into the mouth and anus, no, the ear, of the recently executed parts <laughs> of murderers. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I mean, it seems a bit better. I mean, it seems a bit more aesthetically pleasing if you shove one in the anus and one in the mouth. Rather than the ear. Right. But anyway, it's like a spit post or something. Oh. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so uh, he put that into the recently executed corpse of murderer George Foster. So on the first application of the process to the face, the jaws of the deceased criminal began to quiver and the adjoining muscles were horribly contorted and one eye was actually opened. In the subsequent part of the process, the right hand was raised and clenched and the legs and thighs were set in motion. 
Some observers thought Aldini was bringing Foster back to life. They genuinely believed he was coming back to life after witnessing this. So Mary Shelley Shelley knew all about Galvani, Volta and Aldini. Humphrey Davy and William Nicholson, the era's leading electrical researchers, they were friends of her father. So in 1816, at the age of 19, she spent the summer in Geneva, like the famous story where they all had a holiday with Lord Byron, her future husband, Percy Shelley, and the Dr. Polidori, or whatever his name was, and they all came up with, you know, come up with a ghost story or whatever. I think they got high and said, like, let's have a competition, because, again, like, it's not like they've got anything else to do with their time. So she then came up with, Victor Frankenstein might succeed in reanimating an assembly of body parts, which was like inspired by all these mad scientists <laughs> trying to basically fuck about with electricity in, in criminals. And I've got another article here that, again, touches on this, but it also tells you about, say, there are people who have tried, and today they're trying to do it, cut off the head of a human and transfer it like a head transplant, basically. Have you heard of people doing that? I mean, how get... would that work? <laughs> they can transplant faces and hands. I mean, recently, I think I heard on the news today that there was a, a young 22-year-old guy who was had horrific facial bur- like burns and injuries in a car crash or something, and that they successfully, I think it's the first time they've done it, a double, like, sort of, hand transplant and face transplant i think that's amazing i mean surely then they could move on to like growing bodies from heads or switching heads this guy apparently claimed that he did do it which is crazy (laughs) it was a 2013 article in the surgical neurology international and it proposed that recreating Aldini's electrifying head experiment, the authors of Heaven, the Frankenstein effect, note that Aldini ultimately aimed to transplant a human head using electricity to spark it back into awareness. So, yeah, this inspired the authors of this article for their project, the head anastomosis venture, or Heaven, as they call it, I don't know why. And it says in quotes, on the whole, in the face of clear commitment, heaven could bear fruit within a couple of years, they write. Many sciences have called the project unfeasible and unethical, but last November, two of the co-authors announced to the media that they had performed a head transplant on a human corpse and soon planned to publish details. <laughs> so they did a transplant, but it was still dead. Yeah, it's not really the same. Is it like, I mean, you could try, you could say like, uh, I've done anything <laughs> on a human corpse. Like, it doesn't mean that it would, like, I could sew albatross wings onto a human corpse, but it wouldn't mean that I <laughs> found the ability to fuse wings onto a human and make them fly. Yeah, well, I mean, this is where they're saying, like, the Frankenstein thing is that also in the novel of Frankenstein, I've never actually read it. I've only just sort of watched the film, um, the various films on it, and like, and like, what was it? Pe- Penny Dreadful, his version, which I thought was really yeah. good. Um, the Penny Dreadful one's actually quite close to the character of the the monster itself because they said that, now, think on this. So they create this creature. Initially, right, they create it from, in the book, it was from, like, parts of criminals, or it doesn't actually say that in the book, I don't think. I think it just gets them from various dissection tables and puts them together. She doesn't go into detail about it. So he brings them to life. And he is just like an innocent newborn. He doesn't know it. He's nice. He's benign. He's like quite pleasant. He doesn't know anything. 
But it was his creator that turned him into a monster by rejecting him and calling him a devil and ugly and all that and abusing him. So that's what turned him into a killer because he wasn't treated nice. So like you say, Yasmin, if you create something like that, the responsibility is how you nurture that thing. Yeah. If you treat it well and look after it and treat it with respect, then ultimately it will probably be okay. But if you mistreat it, then it's going to go wrong. Yeah, so... Exactly. Humans are the problem here, not the things we create. Yeah. You guys seem to have faith in human beings. It's just so misplaced. And You're like things, yeah. So things. You're getting human beings and Tories muddled up again. <laughs> 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 Professor Frankenstein was clearly a Tory. <laughs> if he had more left-wing views, then the monster would have been fine. So a lot of scientists are pissed off because, like, they put the word if you put the word Franken in front of anything, like Franken science, Franken um, plants, Franken uh, crops, and things like that, just Franken anything, it has a negative connotation. Whereas yeah. scientists are saying that, well, it shouldn't have, it's kind of annoying to them because they see it as progress and they don't want it to sound like quite negative and they're pissed yeah, off like when... that kind of thing. Because they're saying that the Franken label, like the cloning of Dolly the sheep, the engineering of a leaf, highly lethal H5N1 bird influenza that could more easily infect animals the sympathizing of entire bacterial genome other triggers of frankensteinish fears have included in vitro fertilization proposals to transplant pig organs into humans or even worse what you said <laughs> grow um, human organs in pigs uh, yeah and tomatoes <laughs> the gremlins oh, too like they're endowed with genes from fish to make them freeze tolerant but, that's what i was going to say do you remember when we were younger and they made those tomatoes with fish dna and they were called oh. franken tomatoes and it was on the news that's that. what they're mentioned there yeah so they'll just put anything speak. anything that's been genetically modified they'll put the word franken in front of it to make it sound shit and dangerous yeah. where in actual fact some of it might be quite good well yeah my link oh, with yeah. mary shelley and yeah. frankenstein Very interesting. and i feel sorry for the monster what do you think of frankenstein yeah. what are your thoughts yeah again if he wasn't raised by a fucking tory he'd probably been sound <laughs> <laughs> i feel bad for him and the thing is he lied in the book when i read about this in the book, he went to like the, sci- the equivalent of the 18th century like scientific board, and he says, "Look, I'm going to do this experiment, bring this guy, like, create life, and it's going to be brilliant because it'll be it'll it'll help people, like free people from death and things. We can resurrect people, and I assure you, I'll do it in the most ethical way possible, and in a controlled environment. And and he like basically gaslighted them into thinking, oh, brilliant, that sounds great." on you go then and then he totally went did the opposite and ended up being a complete cunt to the monster (laughs) why why would you go through all that trouble just because he didn't look good i think that's what it was because he was kind of ugly looking but you're the one that created him mate exactly like what were you Mm -hmm. expecting (laughs) i think all this is wrong all wrong so are we pro frankenscience or not i'm pro i think it's really exciting I'm pro, like going back to what Yaz said, I'm pro as long as it serves a purpose. Like if you're altering things in order to make the world or life better, then grand. But if you're just doing it for, for a laugh, then let's do Oh, well, in this article as well, just to finish off, it says that they've put in an article about how to create a modern monster. So they've said like, for instance, well, it's just kind of like, 
if Mary Shelley was alive today, what would she use in terms of like what influenced her in the world of okay. science, like the electricity thing? What would she use today to create the monster? Coronavirus. So, for instance, well, coronavirus. <laughs> transplants, for instance, like the kidney, which yeah. was first transplanted in 1950, is the most commonly transplanted transplanted organ today. That. Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously they didn't do any of that kind of thing back then, so that would have been sort of like a, an amazing Frankenstein-like yeah. thing for her. And Frankenstein could also transplant tissues such as skin, nerves, like, you know, face transplants. It's amazing. And what they've said that they could, two surgeons said that they wanted to perform a human head transplants, perhaps better called whole body transplants. This is sort of in the future. For most scientists say reconnecting all the nerves within the spinal cord will remain science fiction for a long time. And then there's mechanical organs. So you've got machines, the dialysis machines that form as mm-hmm. external kidneys, pacemakers, cochlear implants inside the body, artificial hearts. Uh, you know, you can do artificial pumps and stuff. And then they're saying in the future that they could do fully artificial pancreases, eyes and lungs. Organs oh. such as a heart and lungs could be built to outperform natural ones, extending the limits of human performance. I find all that fascinating. Yeah. No, it is amazing. Or there's lateral there organs. Be, I just think there has to be a limit or a line that you draw oh that says, like, stop now. Like, so like babies. But then this says like skin, urethras, why are they choosing these ones? Bladders, blood vessels, vaginas and muscles can all be produced by, yeah, vaginas apparently can all be produced by taking a patient's own cells and growing them on a biodegradable scaffold in the lab. The technique works best for flat, hollow and tubular organs. So I guess if you're transitioning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was just thinking. That's (laughs) actually really good. Like it means that there'd be less chance of your body rejecting the surgery because you would have like a perfectly formed vagina yeah. that could and then be it would be your cells as well. On. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're saying in the future they could use 3D printing like they did with the woolly mammoth they're trying to, or with those mice pups yeah. and other techniques in order to grow more complex structures such as hearts, livers, kidneys, penises yeah. and wombs. So the male like female to male transitioners they're not left out. They can grow penises in a 3D printer. <laughs> Does that mean like if you're not happy with your own penis, say you're like a, a, a not a trans man, but you're just a regular man and you're, you've got a really small micro dick that you're like, well, I want a bigger one. So you could just grow one and if you could just print one out. <laughs> See, there you go. I'm twisting it and making it worse. I'm thinking of ways also, you can exploit that. They also did these things in Grey's Anatomy. There's one where they oh. change a guy's penis and they turn it inside out and turn it into a vagina as well. Oh, yeah, that's, that's like standard, isn't it? Yeah. What do? Uh, there's another one where someone needs something in their chest and they they 3D print a bit of it to, to slot it in because the pink one got rejected, so they just printed one instead. And you should watch Grey's Anatomy. I know, but I just don't like hospital dramas. I'm not a hospital drama person either. I mean, I'm the kind of person that used to watch the beginning of Casualty just to see the person get injured and then I'd switch it off after that. Because I wasn't injured. We used to do exactly (laughs) that. That's the only bit of Casualty I like. I think it's the melodrama more than anything. I like that it's like an American opera because it's always mental where you're like, how are they going to get injured? It's like... What crazy thing's going to happen now? Yeah. I wanted to see the mad accident at the start, and then I was just like, I don't care anymore. I don't care about the, the soap opera aspect of it, or what that <laughs> dog is banging through. <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't care. You're like, I only watch a Formula One because I want to see people crashing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't mind when it's fiction. Like, I don't like real death, but like hilarious comedy, casualty, fiction yeah. death is fine. Because you, you want to know how it's sort of, you know how they always set it up and you think, oh, what's going to happen here is he going to yeah. fall that ladder and then it ends up something even more mental than that and it's quite funny. That makes me sound crazy. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm a crazy <laughs> thing. Whatever, I'm proud I of think it. we've established yeah. that we're all a bit sick, to be yeah. fair. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that concludes our, what we were going to call this podcast, Mark. Um, it was quite funny. I think uh, we should call it. No, you Frankenstein. Oh yeah, what were we going to call it? I've forgotten. I'll, now. I'll look. I'll look back at the last podcast because I'm sure you said that, and you said that should be the title of this one. So I'll I'll just make it that. And for next week. Oh, who's is it? Yazzie's turn to pick a number. Yeah. Uh, pick a number between. Oh, okay. She <laughs> <laughs> just say a number. I didn't hear that. Uh, witches. Oh. Witches. <laughs> That's my witch's song. <laughs> okay, witches. Um, have we not done that before. I don't think so. Oh no, no, it might have just crossed over into something. Yeah, witches. I think that'd be really interesting because, especially like where we are in Scotland and the UK and, and even in America, I don't know. I've never really looked into witches like in Europe mm. or Russia or anything like that. You know, mm. or, or China or Eastern, wherever they. It's 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 interesting because. There's still people now who believe in witches, like in Africa, certain mm. states in Africa, um, pr- basically do horrific things to to women or and men, and like because they believe they're witches. I mean, there's still people in North America that believe in witchcraft. Do they? Yeah, like oh, yeah. An evil witchcraft. I seen, I seen a, a YouTube video, right, and I don't know how however it was set up, but there was these two like kind of young women, and they went into this um, supermarket. And they just did a prank thing where they had like, you know, the invisible sort of fishing line. Yeah. So she had that hidden and she tied it to the trolley and she was moving about as if the trolley, so it looked like the trolley was just following her about on its own, but she was just pulling it with the invisible sort of fishing line thing. And they were just having a laugh about it. And then this woman started following them and she approached them and went, you're a witch. No, I won't have that in this place. I won't have this happening. Get out. (laughs) And, and we don't let your like, oh my God, um, yeah, leave us alone, you crazy bitch. <laughs> and so they sort of like tri- managed to get away from her and then they started pulling the trolley again. But then she started coming down the aisle and then eventually she was just like, look, look, it's fishing wire, you fucking mental. <laughs> and then, <laughs> away, and then you, you see this woman who generally thought they were witches oh. uh, sort of look at the trolley and go, all right, I probably shouldn't have called them that then or she was genuinely confused i don't know realized how stupid she was <laughs> but i think she was just like a fundamentalist christian or something who just thought that she was a witch it's like those people that burnt harry potter books because they claimed that that was like witchcraft or satanists or something yeah they thought that, again it's because they believed in witches and they thought that by allowing children to read harry potter that would convert them to witchcraft and so they want to write their name in the devil's book so they have to burn them all they think that the chilling adventures of sabrina is an actual documentary and not fiction (laughs) (laughs) which i've been watching a lot of recently i've just in in the last part of it part four i like that they worship hecate now instead of satan that makes me happy we can talk about her in the next podcast so yep well that will be fun i think that's a good choice and looking forward to speaking to you then so please join us. Yeah, go on. It'll be lovely. <laughs>
Thanks. I feel like <laughs> Get your spell book out and listen to us next week about witches. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast about Frankenscience. Ooh. Indeed. I mean, we have Dolly the Sheep, who is now an ex- an exhibited in the Edinburgh Museum of Scotland. So you can go and see her. Yeah, they stuffed her. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> Crystal. Mess.